Welcome aboard the BK Escape Pod. That's right, it's the augmented and bionic podcast version of the live show. You can hear us Saturdays from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF Radio. You can stream the show live there Saturdays at WBHFradio.org or on the free TuneIn app. Look out, here we go. Stand by for launch. Hey, BK on the air. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Going little... for a week and you just forget yeah, how everything works? I don't works? even know where I am. Where am I right now? <laughs> hey, you're in push, the studio. Push the button, Ray. <laughs> I looked into the... I looked into the what bo- did you do, Ray? <laughs> I did it. I wouldn't think of the Stace Puff Marshmallow Man. I would think of... Uh, and I know what they're trying to do there. They had to use a character in Ghostbusters that was like not trademarked or copyrighted or anything because I don't think there's any such thing as Stay Puff. Maybe there is in New, there is there in New York. There is. That's okay. a made-up. That's a made-up thing. So uh, maybe they were originally wanted to, he's like, I, I thought of the Michelin Man <laughs> or or Tony the Tiger or something like something huge that would, it would, it would never kill us. I've wondered you know, what would pop randomly in my head if they said, try not to think of anything. Yeah, what would pop into yours, I wonder? Would it be like either a giant uh, Charlize Theron, or, uh, which would, wouldn't See, be I'm too bad. See, I'm not thinking that that's a bad thing. Or, or a giant uh, monstrous Kenneth Branagh coming through going spouting Shakespeare <laughs> lines and stomping on people or you know, something like that. It would that, probably so. be something dumb like that. It'd be like some big giant actor. Like, you know, Orson Welles comes back and <laughs> swallows New York, you know. <laughs> hey, that sounds like a good movie. The, the, the attack of the giant Orson Welles. That sounds like an Ed Wood movie. <laughs> <laughs> or something you know. Ed Wood would do. By the way. It'd be uh, great. Just take one take. That's it. It's good. You got it. Go. Next. I got, I got an Ed Wood tie-in today on this day in history, by the way, since we, we mentioned some... Ed Wood, considered one of the worst directors in motion picture history, which actually put him in the in the record books and made him famous after all, which, you know, he wanted hey, to have. So he, he had a film made about him. Yeah. If you, and, <laughs> and a lot of other successful, successful directors have not. So. <laughs> yeah. But hey, yeah, it's me. It's BK on there. It's glad to be back from being out last Saturday. I appreciate you and Walt and the darkness filling in for me. You guys sounded like you had a really good time when I was uh, when I was gone. A couple of the good times sounded like they were at my expense, but that's okay. I mean, that's what that's what we do when we're you know we 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 don't make fun of you. We don't like you, right? Yep, <laughs> that's, that's what, true. That's what we always you know say. what we so. all have a sense of humor. I got into a, a discussion with a buddy of mine. He's always right. grandstanding, but I noticed that you know when things happen to people we like. You don't mind poking fun at people who do dumb no, things. You of get not. it. You can have a sense of humor. And I actually said to him the other day, I'm like, "Isn't it amazing? We're allowed to see the humor in things, and we can still be okay." Yeah. I would not want to be the person who's looking for some th- to be aggrieved 24 seven. That's just no. got to be exhausting. No, I wouldn't like that. And we talked about that too uh, with with Mrs. BK. I'm like, wouldn't it be horrible that if you were a, the bad part about being a celebrity or in or in, or in politics or running for offices, everyone's going to look up everything you ever did yeah. in the past. And if you're a celebrity, they're going to be following you around all the time. And, and there's that problem with privacy. Well, that's the part of the price you pay of being a celebrity and making right. all the money too so you have to you have to take the good with the bad some of them deal with it better than others some of them don't deal with fans very well they're not very nice you no. know and they have an attitude some some of them are fantastic and great just like uh, one example is sigourney weaver she sounds she sounds like she's just a fantastically nice person when she talks about everything she's done before like alien and those sci-fi movies that she did and even <laughs> appearing in galaxy quest well talk about making fun at someone at, uh, uh, of someone at their expense or whatever i got a sound bite here i'm going to play my one of my favorite segments from the show <laughs> last saturday when you guys are filling in let's take let's take a quick listen and see what i'm talking about we got somebody already checking in i didn't even give the phone number which is 770-386-1450 let's go to the phones and say good morning welcome to bk on the air who's this 
Good morning, Jeff. Well, you are welcome in. What's going on? Well, I'm glad you're there. Alan finally told the truth about something. <laughs> wait, now wait a minute. He, he, said he, he, he said he talks too much. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I, I like this Jeff guy. <laughs> Not arguing. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny. I don't I don't know why because Alan's not uh, Alan's not speechless very often. But you didn't talk for a long time. Even the crickets chimed in. You know like, while you were trying to go. Oh, what do you say what to that? What did he say? <laughs> now I want you to know that that soundbite was not altered by anybody, but me. Yeah, exactly. So before we go on, so I was like, I just let the you know crickets that. seemed like so, a, a nice added touch. Oh uh, yeah, so I thought that was. You funny. know, I did, did. You guys I sound did, like you had a good. But no, that was funny. We had a blast. We had. It was. We fun. always do. We always do. Oh, we appreciate yeah. you entrusting us with your show. Oh heck. Uh, We always try to do it. Do you proud? If, if I'm going to let anybody fill in for me, I'm going to let some folks fill in for me that do it do it better than I do. So why not just let them do it instead of me See, doing it? We like, said the exact opposite. You picked the two oh, worst knuckleheads. No, <laughs> no. I called Walt like a, at a break. I don't know if he told you this or not. And I said, "You've got to stop this. Bring it down a few <laughs> levels. Don't don't go so high with the." quality bring it down a little bit make a few more mistakes and everybody will think it's me so i do appreciate y'all filling in it, it's a wonder it's wondrous and it's crazy just how much a, a four days at the beach will help clear your mind of anything that you've got in there like cobwebs and, mm-hmm. and static and and uh, problems of the of where you're what you're doing you know when you're back home i mean you know at any vacation you take kind of like even if it's camping like you're doing right. you're just kind of away from everything and kind of clearing it out it's been awesome and, um, and we couldn't have had better weather it was 78 to 80 degrees every day mm. not a spot of rain anywhere it was raining before we got there though when it was raining after we left so we i, I don't know how we you we usually hit it the other way but this time we <laughs> hit it right and it was last minute we were going to go to orange beach alabama last month or whatever but that last hurricane that came through before this one that hit louisiana put a kibosh on those plans and yeah. so and then she's like i found a place in panama city beach florida let's go and i'm like oh, okay let me let alan and the guys know see if they can fill in with me or we'll go do that it was so. funny because you were complaining i think oh, earlier no. that episode about not going yeah and then all of a sudden like that afternoon <laughs> Guess what? Mrs. BK has a unique... She's an X-Man. She has one of her unique mutant abilities is to find places for us to stay, not only at a fantastic price, but doesn't sacrifice luxury and and other things that we like at a condominium or something that we're going to stay in. We don't stay in a dump, in other words. We stay in a low-priced place that's well-rated, and she's able to do that much better than me. I've tried two or three different times, and places I found, you know, we had to to, to take a flea powder with us. You know, my guy's a flea bag place. How did I find this place? I just can't do it like she does. I can find the places for a good price but they're not very good yeah that's the problem she, my wife she, is the she exact does same way it oh, sounds yeah. like how do they do that two peas in a pod <laughs> she's the only that, one i know that the last time we went on a family cruise they actually paid us extra money when we walked off they go here we owe wow. you we owe you money how do you do that you know there's no like, way how did you do that and if you'd have planned it you'd got off the cruise ship and you're like you owe us you're more like, money um, give us some money for you you don't have a checkbook you gotta get a gun and start washing <laughs> some right. dishes so, yeah so i had a good time i'm glad you guys filled in we're gonna uh, continue as uh Business as usual here with BK on the air, geekiness, retro news, and the king. I'm the king. I'm the big, fat, retro king of, of uh, talk radio. And when we come back, we'll hear from Pat McCormick and the Golden Rage of TV. And we'll have a channel Star Wars report later on today as well, among some other surprises. We'll take a break now. It's BK on the air. And now, these messages. 
You can crush, crush him, a Clyde's car crusher. You can mold a car or truck, decorate it, give it wheels, and crush it. It's a wreck. Go to Clyde's. The traveling crane takes it to the crusher. You turn the crank and crush it. Clyde's car crusher. It's fun to build them. Yeah, it's fun to crush them. Clyde's car crusher. Clyde's car crusher. Assembly required. Comes as you see it. Including iron on patch. New from Remco. Roger, kids. He wants my wheat cereal that's part of this nutritious breakfast. Super Sugar Crisp! Going somewhere, Wheat Freak? Yeah, Sugar Bear. Gonna scoop up your Super Sugar Crisp in my rocket scooper. Yeah. Springtime. <laughs> Looks like I've got my Super Sugar Crisp. And you're all washed up. WBHA. Greetings, fellow classic TV fans. From 1968 to 70, the Banana Splits Adventure Hour put out a total of 31 episodes. Hanna-Barbera incorporated the brilliance of Sid and Marty Croft and soon-to-be high-profile director Richard Donner. One of the fan-favorite aspects of the show was its short segments. There was Danger Island, featuring a young Jan Michael Vincent, and the legendary stuntman, Kim Kahana. Also, a brief run of the series, Microventures. But I personally enjoyed the two fully animated shows, The Three Musketeers and Arabian Nights. Voice actors from both cartoons featured a few familiar faces from classic TV. The Three Musketeers' Athos was voiced by none other than Dr. Smith himself, the legendary Jonathan Harris. And speaking of Lost in Space, D'Artagnan was voiced by actor Bruce Watson, cousin of June Lockhart. He also appeared in the Star Trek premiere episode, Man Trap. Orthos was played by Barney Phillips, who you may remember from Dragnet or as the three-eyed alien in the Twilight Zone episode, Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up? Aramis was the iconic Don Messick, a staple voice actor for Hanna-Barbera cartoons, most notably Scooby-Doo. Arabian Nights had its fair share of TV faces, too. There was Jay North, a.k.a. Dennis the Menace, in the role of Prince Turhan. Ventriloquist Sherry Lewis, best known for her sock puppet Lamb Chop, voiced Princess Nida. There were also the screen veterans John Stevenson as Farik the Magician and Frank Gersel as Rasim the Strong. Bez the Beast was voiced by Henry Corden. He eventually inherited the role of Fred Flintstone from the late Alan Reed. And finally, Paul Fries, a.k.a. Boris Badenoff, among countless other characters, played the villain Vangor. With a perfect mixture of live action, music, and animation, the Banana Splits Adventure Hour truly did cover all the entertainment bases. This is Pat McCormick with your retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. You can also find me on YouTube and Facebook at Golden Rage of TV and on Twitter at Golden Rage of TV One. And now back to BK on the Air. Thank you, Pat, for that trip into the Golden Rage of TV. I always appreciate it. And Pat appeared live on the show last Saturday when Alan and Walt were filling in. And sounds like he's doing something incredibly fun and exciting today. Now, i got to ask you this, because you are like Pat. You are a walking IMDb library of these people and performers. <laughs> I like to think I am, yeah. And I felt so badly because he goes, Surely you've heard of, and he dropped a name. I'm like, Ah. And you said, Number one, don't call me Shirley. <laughs> so, I'm like, Pat, I just work on radio. Right. I twist knobs and move levers. Well, so, I, and I, but then he would say something like, Well, you know Betty Boop. I'm like, well, yeah. And I realized 
Yeah. That's why we need the voiceover Hall of Fame. Yeah, because, because they're the unsung uh, folks that you're really yes. not that familiar with. People I don't guarantee know everyone knows the the characters created with right. their voices, even if they don't know the name of the person that created the voice. Right. And they, they deserve to be recognized because that is an art. It is a talent. It is a skill. And and people right. make a vast fortune being cartoon voices and, and voiceover actors. And there's something to be said about that because if you're doing voiceovers in a studio or doing any kind of sound work, you kind of don't have to worry about how you look or what clothes you have on. You don't have to have that celebrity status where you have to look, oh, I've got to be prim and proper and, and, and primped perfectly all the time with hair and, and makeup and i got to keep my weight down but and you know, look great. But, yeah, you don't have to do that. The flip side <laughs> is you know how hard it is to figure out how to give a performance when you're not acting? across from someone yeah a lot of times crazy. you're laying your lines down by themselves yeah and a director is saying okay I need like seven or eight different options to give me some variety right and you have to be able to still give the what the director's <laughs> wanting yeah multiple ways and it's, yeah. it's it's a skill it's like any other performance skill oh yeah some people are just really good at it and it, then to create different voices oh, and yeah. then to be able to Maybe have a catalog of 15, 20, or like Mel Blanc, yeah. 50 or 60 characters. And be How able do to, you do that? And be able to recall that one you did six months ago and what it sounded like. And to have um, them having conversations with each other. Right. In their own voices. Actors do it, too, sometimes. If you want to watch an interesting clip about that, watch the clip of Tom Hanks talking to Graham Norton, Graham Norton, a British talk show host, uh, talk about how he was doing uh, Woody on Toy Story, about how the voices and how Disney would listen in the other room, and he'd do the voices. And he says, not only do you have to do the lines, you have to do a certain line 15, 20 different mm-hmm. ways, because you don't know they're going to put it to the voice later when they animate it. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Believe it or not, everybody's like, oh, you're doing this sitting in a studio just saying, words i'm like uh to the professionalism that they do at level try it sometimes and there's another thing about it which is funny because a lot of times you get the celebrity actors are going to voice the cartoons because they just want the celebrity voice right and they get in there and they said for like three hours they were just saying just make grunts (laughs) yeah because we need all kinds of noises breathing like can you give me heavier breathing no less right can you give me because they need to have all of those other uh, sound effects to foley in with the story and i was listening last week to you guys talk to pat about it and it was a fantastic segment as usual everybody knows uh, most of everybody knows mel blank most of everyone knows casey Kasem. a lot of them are kind of almost household names because those guys have done other things especially casey Kasem with the top 40 and everything people have heard who he was but he did tons of cartoon voiceover work too but as pat was rattling off the names like june foray and and some of the others and and you're like <laughs> i knew i was listening to it and i'm like I'm, I'm i'm listening to it in the car going pat allen's not gonna know who this is i'm telling you he told me he's just he doesn't know him. which and i'm thinking but i'm sitting there going yeah june foray that's rocky the squirrel from <laughs> I, I know her so i was doing that but but it's only because of my years of not having a life and and studying this and being in, interested in it and uh, but don't get me wrong pat if if i'm a walking imdb i'm really not pat is pat knows a lot more than me on that james install with geek to me radio knows a whole lot more about comic books than i do i know a lot about it than your regular joe walking down main street here in cartersville but i i don't know as much as those two those two guys know about what they do that's why they do what they do so well you know yeah. i know about messing up on the radio that's what i do well <laughs> you do that so that's remarkably what remarkably well so it was fun to it was fun to hear that well you know i want to remind everybody because it is today it's today at four hour time yeah on facebook it is a facebook live event you don't have to do anything to you know there's no membership fee there's no a- admission fee you just got to be on facebook and click on right. the or do a search for Voice over actor Hall of Fame. Right. 
or just voiceover Hall of Fame. You'll find it. And I'm hoping if you if you follow Pat McCormick of the Golden Rage of TV on Facebook or some of his platforms, he will link to it as well because he's actually presenting in it. And he, he's he a co-host. Do that. The first but, ever yeah. inaugural. That is that just it think blows me away. Feather in somebody's cap. That's kind of cool. I'd like to be part of the first anything. Yeah. like that. I was part of the first inaugural uh, listeners lounge of the Wilder Ride. You were uh, you, podcast. You, and uh, you cracked of, season three wide speaking open. Speaking of podcast, podcast magazine came out with their top hot 50 podcasts that doesn't mean they're sexy podcasts it just means they're hot because people listen to them yeah, some of them might not. be sexy i don't know is there a victoria's secret one i don't know but congratulations to the wilder ride because you guys made uh, was it number eight number eight. out of 50 you got you guys got number eight as far as hot according to podcast magazine yeah <laughs> now that that and a few dollars you can go get a cup of coffee but you know yeah, what but that's fine that's, that's a, great though that is and you know you're on the list too you made it you debuted I'm on the list too. 32 out of 50 which is better than being number 50 or number 51 which didn't make the list at all i, I scored higher than dateline nbc isn't that amazing <laughs> which is not bad i guess but you know i didn't even know it i think it was last weekend while i was in uh, panama city i was on instagram and the uh, there's another podcast folks that that you and i follow the the funny queens of queens real queens of real queens. queens of queens sent me an, a message on instagram going here's the hot 50 uh, we made number so-and-so and congratulations to the wilder ride and bk on the air and i was reading that because my my name was linked i'm like why are they congratulating me and i looked at it i'm like holy cow I'm number 32 well the cool <laughs> thing is that. this is because our <laughs> listeners <laughs> our people great. who like what, what we do voted for it it's yeah you, have, you can do it's, that it's it's a it is a listener supported poll and and we'll be sending links i'm sure the wilder ride you guys will be too on ways that you can vote for your top three you can vote for three uh each month for your favorite podcast and then we'd all we'd both appreciate it if we're on Absolutely. your list every time well, that would be I great i was gonna say wink wink so nudge nudge that, there's a reason that why that would be fine 770-386-1450 is our number it's bk on the air we got somebody oh on the line right now before we creep up to the bottom of the hour it's bk on the air who's this this is Bart. I just wanted to tell you about another great podcast. My brother-in-law does it. It's called Radio Wars. Radio uh, Wars. It's stories from radio from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. He was a DJ all over, mostly up in Minnesota. And it's stories about old time. you know, I mean, what it was like being a DJ in those era. You know, a lot of different names you guys would recognize. Yeah. And it's one you can just search for Radio Wars. It's on YouTube. Well, that's awesome. Radio Wars. Thanks for, thanks for the plug. I mean, we love great yeah. podcasts. And I tell Always you what, looking. there's one in Atlanta that we loved that, that was the basis of Dr. Johnny Fever and WKRP was a skinny Bobby Harper was a DJ in the 70s in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, that was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it was Dave Jagger on the radio. It's uh, David Acevedo was one of the guys. And, and he went into radio back in the 70s and was in for 40 years. He and some other guys do that podcast and it's it's actually on Facebook. Fantastic. Well, Ben, thanks for calling. We'll check it out. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks Bart. for calling in. All right. Yeah. You, you guys enjoy your show. All right. Appreciate See you, buddy. It. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of guys uh, in radio growing up. I mean, we all had our favorite DJs or people working on the radio. I remember there was a crazy guy in Atlanta. I can't remember his name back in the back in the early '80s when I would listen to crazy FM radio in Atlanta. It's changed since then. All the guys are gone, but I, I used to have my favorite one on there. There was a favorite one in Gadsden, Alabama. I used to listen to a station over there back in the '70s called Q104. And you grew up in Michigan. I know you probably had your guys. WLZ <laughs> Wheels Radio, and it's probably still on the air, right? Uh, Maybe. Did everybody have that at the rock station? Yeah. 
everybody have the gravelly guy that's been drinking sure. drinking black coffee and smoking three did. packs a day that had to do their voiceovers? <laughs> yeah. Of course You're they did. You're listening to Riff Radio, W-R-I-F. So take us, take us out uh, on a break here with a station ID for BK on the air. So you do your oh, best like that? gravelly guy. Yeah. You're listening to BK on the air right here, W-B-H-F. <laughs> 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 the only thing you could add to it would be one of those sound effects like at the end, you know, it's crazy. It's Friday. We'll be we'll be back after this bottom of the hour break, and we'll flash the audience of the news, the weird, and the strange, but bizarre. Be gay on the air. Captain America here. I need your help battling the energy wasters, the thermal thief, the wattage waster, and the cold air crook. These insidious villains are probably in your home. Defeat the thermal thief by shutting doors. Waste the wattage waster by turning off unused lights. And cool the cold air crook by shutting the refrigerator door. Saving energy is everyone's business, so keep it up, America. Mommy, I want a drink. Mommy, have a glass of juice, please. Give me some up. I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. Give me a glass of anything. Wouldn't it be nice if your children could get their own drinks without interrupting you? With a Dixie kitchen dispenser, they can. And your kitchen won't be cluttered with between-meal glasses to wash. Get Dixie, the kitchen cup that lets kids help themselves. And that can be a big help to you. Mommy, I got my own juice. Now, can I have peanut butter sandwich? You are listening to BK on the Air on AM 1450, FM 100.3, and online on the TuneIn Radio app. Now, back to a guy who'll make you feel really young, mostly because he's so old. It's BK on the Air. Hey, it's BK on the Air back behind the, uh, what's not a, it's a silver microphone, if you want to call it. Weird microphone with a purple dust covered here on the end. Oh, it's kind of cute. I didn't really look close at it. It's a cute little microphone. Yeah. They're we're the small. only we're the only station to get our microphones from the thrift store. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Well, no. that's our budget here at WBHF. I've uh, tried. <laughs> You've tried to go to the. I've put proposals together. You, you, you said, said, "Why don't you go to the upper hand thrift stores, the bigger we'll ones?" Spend you know, tens of thousands of dollars on stupid right. stuff. That's okay if we got a little tape on something. Hundred dollars <laughs> on a mic? Are you got joking? Black electrical tape on here. It works. It's okay. It doesn't <laughs> shock. It doesn't shock me anymore when I touch it. That's nice. <laughs> you got to put batteries but in this one. Then again, I kind of like getting that shock. Maybe I should take the tape back off. It's time we. No, flash the audience. Got shock right there by lightning bolt. I've got the first news. This is from Fox News. A new space toilet is making its way to the crew of the International Space Station on board. Black hole reference here, Alan. Check it out. A Cygnus spacecraft. It's not going to be the big Cygnus from the black hole, but yeah. Quote, its features improve on current space toilet operations and help NASA prepare for future missions, including those to the moon and Mars, explains NASA in a statement. The Universal Waste Management System, that's UWMS, demonstrates a compact toilet and the urine transfer system that further automates waste management and storage. Well, I guess that means they're going to be able to boldly go. Boldly go. Now, $23 million, though, on this toilet. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an expansive toilet. But when you think about it, it, you're in zero G. I want to make sure that they've thought about every way of making sure that that stuff stays where it's supposed you, to be. You know, you know let, me, let me, this is a side note. You know what I hate more than anything? It's when I'm hungry and I want ice cream and somebody's eating oh, ice cream outside our radio <laughs> window and we'd love to have some. And, and wow, that guy, they're having ice cream before 11 o'clock in the morning. There that's, is no wrong time to have no, ice cream. there is not. Mister. So it's fantastic when we... Or coffee. See everybody for that outside matter. the window here at WBHF. 
too. I got a you know coffee what? thing for coffee you too. Coffee flavored ice too. cream. I got a coffee story too that kind okay. of ties in with this day in history today. Not awesome. Today. I'll tell you. Tell you, oh. about, tell you about that as well. Well, guess what? I've got the next news. It's hurriedly handed the list across the board. Yeah, I was waiting for it. I was like, you better not hit that <laughs> I got button over there. Distracted by the, co- the, the ice cream. Yeah, cones. I, yeah, yeah. I was I was distracted by the cones too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't. Moving Sorry, on. I got to get on. my my muttly laugh. <laughs> So you can do that right. and you don't even smoke. In a case, yeah, no, I don't, which makes me wonder, what am I suffering from? In a case report recently, uh, in a case reported recently detailed in the New England Journal of Medicine, doctors revealed that a 54-year-old Massachusetts construction worker essentially overdosed on black licorice. This is crazy. The candy contains something that a chemical pronounceable. Uh, <laughs> let's good. see, it's it's, it's glycuric uh, acid, which causes yeah, sure. the man's potassium level to plummet. Now, dangerously low levels of potassium can lead to an abnormal heart rhythm, high blood pressure, and in some cases, cognitive heart failure. The man, who was not identified in the case report, collapsed while eating lunch at a fast food restaurant. The incident occurred a few weeks after he had switched from red to black licorice. He reportedly ate a bag or more of the candy per day. So what do we learn from this is don't... don't uh, Binge anything like that. I mean, anything it's to an extreme to is bad. That. Yeah, including black licorice, obviously. And the extreme for black licorice is a bite. Yeah, well, for you, for me, it's being in the room with it. I'm I, like, I don't even want to be yeah, around I it. Hate I can't black, stand I don't, it. I don't understand that. And you know what? I don't like, and I've never been a fan of the gummy gummy candies, like gummy bears or dots or any of that. And there's it, nothing wrong with them. It's just personal preference. They're like the tomatoes of the candy world to me. So <laughs> I just have to tomatoes. say that. Yeah, I just I, never like the gummies and the licorice and I stuff like mind that. Them. I don't mind like them. I like the Sour Patch kind of kids where it's really no, sour. I like sour stuff. Yeah, yeah like, the, but, like the Warheads. You ever yeah. had a Warhead? Awesome. Super. I, I, gave, I gave Mrs. BK a Warhead one time, and I thought... Thought she's going to pass out because she anything she eats for some reason her taste buds are magnified and she doesn't like extremes and she was like she, I think when she spit it out it went like a half a mile <laughs> she broke the window <laughs> it's right it went <laughs> it went down the road like out the car so uh, I got the next news and and we'll get into candy corn how much I hate that too I'm not a candy corn fan because Halloween's coming up too by the way <laughs> from UPI an accommodation booking website is offering weary voters. An escape from election stress disorder. Oh no! With the opportunity to live under a rock Wait, for the week of the election. Under the the, the country of Iraq? No, no, a rock. Oh, a rock. A r o c k. Yeah. <laughs> now they could live there too, and they could really find out that they'd be happy that they You'd live there. You'd be like, yeah. hey, uh, can I have the stress back? Exactly. <laughs> Hotels.com said that the November second through seventh stay in a man-made cave fifty feet below ground in New Mexico will be available to book on its website on a first come first served basis at nine a uh, it was ready nine a.m. Uh, yesterday on Friday the website said the opportunity is perfect for those who are experiencing election stress disorder uh, supposedly that's a real thing and the five night stay cost five dollars per night so it's a pretty good bargain I guess if you think about it hotels.com said it'll also be offering a twenty percent discount on Selected properties with rock in the name using the coupon code under a rock. Starting yesterday, so now are there any amenities? Cool. Did you look into this? Uh, at all? I didn't really. I wasn't that interested to delving into the story because I think it's a little funny to begin with. The premise is kind of goofy anyway, so yeah, I didn't go any further. I hope they have some TV or something. But they, if they do, they could, they could see election stuff on the TV. So maybe yep. they don't have a television in there. Or something Might not like be that. a good idea. Maybe they have uh, a Wi-Fi turned off. Maybe it's just a quiet. They'll You're living under you. a rock. So you shouldn't have any. If you truly live under a rock, you don't know about the internet and, and all that stuff. So maybe so it, do they have a companion off. bury your head in the sand? I they could they have an ostrich with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Be careful, with ostrich man. They're like the they're like the velociraptor of the bird world. They can slash you with their legs and kill you. 
like right through the midsection. Oh, they're kicked? <laughs> yeah, they like can a take donkey you out, kick yeah. in the chest. Exactly. All right, guess what? I've got the next news. Leave it up to us to work ostrich into our conversation. All right, this is from the from the UPI. The Pennsylvania House made famous as the house of a excuse me, of a home oh, of a serial cool. killer, Buffalo Bill in the nineteen ninety one horror film Silence. First of all, nineteen ninety one is when Silence of the Lambs came out. Yeah. Although also the same movie, last Star Trek film with the original crew, the, the Undiscovered Country, same year. <laughs> 91. It hurts. 91. Let's do that again. So the Pennsylvania house that was made famous as the home of the serial killer Buffalo Bill in the 1991 horror film Silence of the Lambs is being listed for just under $300,000. The Periopolis home, originally built in 1910, served as a pivotal location for Silence of the Lambs, and several of the film's iconic scenes were filmed in its rooms. Eileen Allen, who is teaming up with her sister, Shannon Shannon Assad, to sell the home for Berkshire Hathaway, said the house is in a much cleaner condition than when it served as the serial killer's residence. Oh, come on. I wanted it in its original condition so I could show people. They don't have like a a basement dwelling where they can have like the little pulley system for putting the lotion on itself yeah, and things and the, like the, that. Yeah, and the, the well that's dug to, and all to the put people in. And all the flying around. And, and the bathtub with the body parts in it, the Ooh. gross bathtub and stuff. Come on. Well, in the movie, they kind of trashed the house and made it look really neglected and kind of destroyed the inside, Alan told NBC's Today Show. It's way nicer in person. Well, thank goodness. <laughs> the home Too is bad. being listed at $298,500, and Alan said there has already been interest. She said that if the property doesn't sell by Halloween, she is considering bringing in a psychic medium to the home for a live stream event. Oh wow! Well, you know what? The funny—I don't know how big the town is where it's located, or whatever. How 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 many crowds they could pull? But Halloween during the October months, how cool would it be to fix that house up exactly like it was oh. in Silence of the Lambs and, and do take like little for tours? A tour. That would be out oh, of this world with That'd the be lights great. off. Yeah. Oh. And you and, you, and by the way, that's another movie you could screen for October Halloween's Silence of the Lambs. One of the scariest movies because it's based more in reality. There's not a, a Jason in human monster running around. It's a human monster, which are usually the worst ones. But you watch it, and one of the most creepiest parts of that film is when she Agent Starling is in the house with her gun drawn. FBI agent, we know she is Jodie Foster, and he turns the lights off, and we know that it's pitch black. But he turns his night vision on, where he can see her, mm-hmm. and she's just feeling around that was terrifying to watch that because you was. know she can't see anything right and she's just got her gun every every noise she'd point it in that direction and in the theater i'm like oh wow this is intense that's harrowing like this that's crazy. a thriller so watch silence of the lambs this month there's one of your uh, movies you it's can a see good one to add for your october rotation we're going to take a break i got one more news flash here that involves a dc comic character and a costume which is kind of cool a dc comic character that was just cast with an actor coming up in a future movie and it's a kind of a record breaker. That's a ready-made story for BK on the air here with Nostalgic Geek and his talk. All of that and more when we come back after the break. It's BK on the air. Don't go anywhere. Stay where you are. Don't go anywhere. We'll return after these messages. No breakfast, Mom. My turn to feed the class turtle. Mmm, cinnamon donuts. The traffic's all tied up. I'll get coffee later. Do I smell crumb cakes? Funny how people with no time for breakfast often find time when breakfast means hostess. Like hostess crumb cakes, fresh from the hostess breakfast bake shop in your store. May I have my donut now? Sure, the turtle can wait. (laughs) Keep them home for breakfast with hostess crumb cakes and donuts. 
This is Polaroid's new Time Zero Supercolor film, and you know what this is. Camera? Uh, one step. Don't be cute. Time Zero? That's a funnier name than One Step. It's developing from Time Zero. The instant it leaves the camera, you begin to see it in 10 seconds. She ought to be in pictures. It's the world's fastest developing color. It's sharper and brighter than before. Spectacular. But who named it Time Zero? You? Polaroid, why? Oh, I love it. Mm. And now, back to the guy who secretly thinks J.J. Abrams did the best job with any Star Trek movie, but he'll never admit it. It's BK on the air. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air here. I've got one more news flash to take care of before we move on to uh, some more movie news that I've got that I want to get to from UPI. A California man who created a massive pair of mechanical wings for his cosplay outfit based on DC Comics character Hawkman received a Guinness World Record for his efforts. Andy Holt was issued a Guinness certificate for the largest mechanical wings on cosplay suit after he constructed a set of wings for his costume with a total span of 19 feet and 2 inches when they folded out. Kind of like the real Hawkman in the comic books. He said it was more difficult to figure out how to transport the wings for conventions and other events, I should say so. Now, Holt said the lack of events this year due to COVID-19 pandemic has afforded him time to do something innovative. He's now on the sixth version of his wings. I wonder if they're just going to be better designed or they're going to be bigger. Nine feet to each wing. Yeah, Plus the foot of your body. So, yeah. you know, so when you have them folded up, I guess it's okay. You can probably maneuver through crowds. But once you open them up for photo ops, you're not going to be able to move very much. You can fly off, I guess. Wow. <laughs> Maybe so. And a related story, by the way, did you see Aldous Hodge has joined the cast as Hawkman. He was cast as Hawkman in DC's movie uh, Black Adam, uh, the film coming out. They're doing a movie. And Black Adam is the kind of the polar opposite uh, negative side, I guess, of uh, Shazam, Captain Marvel, DC Comics. And I think... I think Dwayne Johnson's playing him. The Rock, I heard that. Hmm. I think he may be playing him. But, uh, yeah, the Black Adam film, Aldous Hodge. I'm not familiar with the actor, but he's been cast as Hawkman. And Hawkman is a fantastic character in DC Comics. I know you may remember maybe from the Super Friends or something. He's that guy that's got the the, 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 the feathers on the side, and his beak looks like a—his mask looks like a bird, and he's got wings, and he can fly because he is a Hawkman. And uh, he, nothing like the Hawkman and Buck Rogers. Totally different. Uh, that would be just Hawk. So, yeah. So, uh, but, but that's kind of cool. <laughs> Hawk, Hawkable. So, yeah, that's kind of cool, I think. Cosplay is not easy now because you can't... Sure, you can go down to your local... And we're talking about costumes because everyone's going to be looking for one for Halloween coming up. You can surely go down to Party City or somewhere and rent your costume or get one. But some people make their own costumes, and I am blown away by the innovation Mm -hmm. a lot of these people use to make these costumes. And, you know, I I wouldn't make fun of people that make costumes and do cosplay because some of them are obviously smarter than a lot of us are because I look at the Iron Man outfits and the RoboCop costumes that these engineers put together. And like this guy's Hawkman suit that I just talked about, you can look it up and see what it looks like. They look picture perfect, and for the most part, a lot of them are movie quality perfect. I got a buddy of mine. He's with the Atlanta Ghostbusters, and he got a 3D printer not that long ago and has been playing with it and then eventually has moved on to, and he showed it step-by-step step on Facebook with video. He has created exact replicas now of the proton backpacks oh, wow. for Ghostbusters. Yeah. With the little blinking lights on the back of it and everything. And right? with the <laughs> super bright LEDs and the technology now to shrink it down, it looks and acts just like the props. I mean, it is a Hollywood prop as far as I'm concerned. Well, I've got some movie news here that I want to talk about.
of Michael Giacchino, their uh, composer, uh, a new composer that's not been on the scene very long in, in composer years, times, but he's a newer guy. I remember seeing his name on, uh, and that's Jurassic World, by the way, the score of Jurassic World, and a theme that he used in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and I'm sure that he'll bring back that theme to add to the John Williams theme for Jurassic World Dominion. I remember seeing his name. Uh, my wife, Ms. BK used to watch a show called Alias with Jennifer Garner. It was like a secret agent type uh-huh. of show, you know. And uh, Michael Giacchino did uh, did the uh, music for it. And that's the first time I remember seeing him name his name. I think he worked on Lost, too, for J.J. as just, well. And he's come a long way. Now he's into that huge, giant movie score thing. It's not just that poppy synthesizer stuff he did for television. It's some major music now. He's, he's doing. an great. incredible uh, composer. Obviously not... A kid. He's been doing no, it for a while, but yeah. as far as on the scene, being being trusted with the scores of these massive pictures, that's, yeah. that's amazing. He's done a lot of work for Marvel. He did Doctor Strange. He did the Spider-Man Far From Home, the Spider-Man movies. He took over and, and did the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films, which were fantastic scores to those films. That's when I first and, realized, I was like, I don't know who this guy is, and I had to get the first Star Trek reboot oh, with, yeah. with Chris Pine. I have that soundtrack. It's just... I love that and, soundtrack. And who did they call when they wanted to, someone to do a Star Wars score for Rogue One? They called Michael to Michael do that Gentile. one. So it's a fantastic score. And Rogue One's still my favorite non-Skywalker-related movie. It has a fantastic, it has a fantastic mo- movie score by, uh, for, by him. He's a great composer. His, if you've never listened or downloaded and listened to the Doctor Strange soundtrack or Jurassic World, they're two of my favorites that he did. They're, they are fantastic. I mean, the Star Trek ones are great, too, but those two... Are just out of this world fantastic. Well, I play a little bit of that because I it kind of dovetails with this story right here. Got a couple of movies that have pushed back their release dates. We've learned this past week. Jurassic World has been pushed back by almost a year. Now the release dates are fragile things these days at best anyway, but nobody having a very clear idea of what's coming in the near future or regards to the ongoing pandemic and theater closures and now they're back opening again. The movie release calendar has become incredibly fluid. Pretty much every major 2020 blockbuster since June has gone through at least one date change, and the 2021 schedule isn't exactly stable ground either. Take, for example, director Colin Trevorrow's Jurassic World Dominion. That's right, Colin has returned for this one. He didn't direct Fallen Kingdom, but he's come back for this for this installment. And he's a fantastic director, uh, too, and writer, by the way, who I wish had went ahead and made The Rise of Skywalker. The fo- I think it would have been the, a lot yeah, better final. Uh, than, he, than than what they had. Having started production way back in February, that's right, before the, all this stuff really took place, and I'm thinking it was way back in february that's when we took our trip to uh, universal studios this year mm-hmm. and that just seems like a lifetime ago now with all that's been going on it feels weird because it, it wasn't the whole covid lockdown thing really hadn't started getting no really it wasn't until mid-march and uh, but we had heard about it going on but we didn't know much about it now the original plan was to have the movies be released on the big screen next summer but now jurassic world dominion has been pushed back from july 2021 to june and i can only think that some of that has to do with the covid pandemic because they had they were one of the first ones on the set to report that someone maybe on the set had it and then they, they have stringent procedures on you know testing people's temperatures and all this stuff and it's probably all that's thrown on behind schedule with everything wouldn't you mm-hmm. guys so we got to wait for Jurassic World Dominion to uh, to 22 now. And another film, No Time to Die, James Bond. Again, there was another that film that's been surprising after they yeah. put it, they were all in on a November release. Right. It'll be postponed. James Bond no Time to Die will be postponed until next year. The filmmakers announced last week it's expected to hit theaters around April 2nd of next year. That's a year finally after we calculated all up than initially planned. I can only think, here's here's my little theory about this. Now, we know Tenet was released, and a lot of other movies have been released, but I understand the movies aren't doing that well. Not necessarily maybe because they're not great movies. There's still a little 
fear of people going to there the theater. There is a huge amount of fear. And now people are starting, and rightfully so, the filmmakers are going, nah, we don't want to release movies that we've got money vested in if they're going to not do well. we got to just wait this out a little bit longer. And, and with me, I don't know if you're the same on me with this, but if someone gave me the option of, would you like Jurassic World Dominion just to be released digitally in the Black Widow or whatever, or you'd rather just wait it out and see it in a theater. I can wait it out for the theater, and then you can release it digitally well, later. Well, because you and I grew up in out. a ter- period where we yeah. had to wait. <laughs> well, we had to wait, but also I enjoy a movie on the big screen. Yeah. I want to enjoy it some at least movies, that way first. Some movies really belong on the big screen. And I would think No spectacle. Time to Die and Jurassic World Dominion are two of them, and Black Widow as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Tenet was, least two of Tenet was movies, worth so. seeing on the big screen. Well, it's a big movie. It's a big Huge. screen movie, too. Awesome. So awesome movie. Please, yeah, just wait and don't release them. Don't release them digitally yet. Just hold out. We'll, we'll, believe me, when everything turns back to normal movie, Hollywood folks, we'll come back. They, mm. Everybody will come back to the theater. I have no doubt. When I saw Tenet two weekends ago, it was just me and my two daughters, the whole theater to ourselves. Wow, so you had a basement theater, like you were pretending you're home. I was like, your this is, theater. and yeah. the sound was incredible. Yeah. The, the spectacle, it was, I'm like, and, and there's nobody else. And we've been we've been going to the movies pretty steadily here over the past few months to see older films at NCG Theater, and a lot of other uh, chains are doing stuff like that, which is great. And another movie that was out not too long ago during that classic movie release is getting a kind of a bigger, broad release this month. I don't know if they've already done it yet or not, because it's October, is the original 1980 Friday the 13th is being released uh, for, <laughs> for October to go see in the theater, and I'm sure it's going to be a great print and everything and look great. So I'm actually planning on probably going to see that and just getting some popcorn. And, and I'm going to be weird because when I when I watched Friday 13th, even back in the day when I would watch the slasher films like that, my friends and I would watch them and people wouldn't get it. My, my, my family members would go, why do you guys watch those and laugh? I'm like... Because they're so <laughs> over the top, yes, you know, it, but it's killing people. I'm like, yeah, but it's it's over the top, f- fantastical, impossible, weird, crazy stuff. That's why we laugh at it because it's just we enjoy it and it's entertainment, and that's that's why we always did that. Silence of the Lambs and other movies like that are more horror reality based, you know, and you don't laugh at those, or if you laugh at Silence of the Lambs, I don't know if I want to watch it. Right no, but yeah, but it's just two different types types of, of, of horror films. Uh, just a escapist, he's <laughs> Jason and stuff like. Like that, which is which is fantastic. Now, Halloween was based a little more in reality with Michael Myers being a, a psycho patient. I mean, yes. there was no immortalized Jason thing to, to do with Michael. I don't think so. He's just a just a just he's just a boy that turned that into grew a up man. into a maniacal killer. It's peak down there. We'll have more when we come back out of the top of the hour. What are you afraid of? Some fear being alone in the dark. Some fear the darkness inside themselves. Some fear what the future will bring. Some fear what has lived in the past. But given the right time and the right place, there's one thing we're all afraid of. A ghost story. Ghost story. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. Good taste. Ah. What is good taste? Let me put it this way. If you've got it, you don't have to shout it. And you certainly don't show it like this. In coffee, good taste is a subtle thing, a blend of rich flavor and long experience. And once you've found it, nothing else will do. Maxwell House ground coffee, always good to the last drop. Stand by to receive our transmission. (laughs) 
Greetings, inhabitants of the Ring of Kafreen. It's time again for Star Wars Daily Weekend Edition, brought to you this week by the ROK, Rock Mining Guild, Imperial Occupations, and ChannelStarWars.com. Star Wars news for Star Wars fans by Star Wars fans. Bringing you the news faster than an injured partisan, I'm your host, Mike Mann. There's one set for stun. Uh, he said stun. <laughs> it wasn't going to hurt you. <laughs> to kick things off, there's a lot of hype this week for the upcoming Star Wars The High Republic series. First, the opening crawl for the novelization series was released. In short, The Republic sets out a beacon of hope into the outer rim of the galaxy, only to meet an unknown adversary. Absolutely worth checking out, as this sets forth anticipation for the golden age of the Republic. <laughs> Next, at the New York Comic Con, a panel revealed details about the Jedi lightsabers. All of these seem to be rather unique to their respective Jedis. From double blades, purple blades, an homage of Mace Windu, to a Wookiee-sized chunk of metal, each hilt also contains hidden features for their bearers as well. The panel can be found on the New York Comic Con YouTube page. Check it out. Tell him, Steve, Dave. And Mandalorian news on the Disney Plus Denmark Instagram page, a leak made its way out to the Star Wars fandom, officially confirming that Timothy Oliphant and Rosario Dawson will be featured in The Mandalorian Season 2. While their characters are not officially confirmed, other chatter has speculated that Oliphant will be portraying Cobb Vanth a self-proclaimed sheriff of Freetown on Tatooine who is sporting the legendary Boba Fett's mangled armor. And of course, Rosario Dawson is highly anticipated to be portraying the amazing Ahsoka Tano. Adding to Sasha Banks as Mandalorian, Sabine Wren, and others, this season is setting up to be an instant classic. I have spoken. And lastly, details have been released about the upcoming Del Rey publication, Star Wars, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. This book will include 40 different short stories from 40 different characters as they saw things unfold in Episode 5, in correlation with the 40th anniversary release of The Empire Strikes Back. From creatures like the Tauntaun, Wampa, Exegorth, to bounty hunters, Imperial and Rebellion soldiers, to a Jedi Master and Sith Lords, this book is an already must-have. Even before its release, Star Wars from a certain point of view will be released November 10th. You said your name was Ben. Well, it's Obi-Wan. You said my dad was killed. Close, now ain't this fun. Cause technically it's true. From a certain point of view. Point of view? Point of view. That's all the time we have this week. Make sure to check back next week for all the latest and greatest in Star Warsing. For ChannelStarWars.com, I'm Mike Mann pointing out that Baby Yoda is the same age as Anakin Skywalker, also known as Darth Vader, also known as the Chosen One who would bring balance to the Force. Or is he? Think about that one. And now back to my Boba Fett. BK on the air. chosen one it was said that you would destroy this sin not join them bring balance to the force not leave it in darkness Fire, you!
second. I loved you. That's right, a little uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi there, Ewan McGregor at the end of, toward the end of the Ridge of the Sith when uh, Anakin's falling into the lava pit and Obi-Wan no. cannot, Obi-Wan can't understand what's going on, how betrayed he was. I play that right out of the channel Star Wars report because I have some news here from CNET.com and it's from other areas too, but this happens to be from CNET. Ewan McGregor appeared on the Graham Norton show on Friday to talk about his Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan. He, uh, he confirmed that they will be starting to film on March of 2021 next year. That's when they start filming. It's actually from Ewan's mouth himself. It's not a rumor. He said also he never, although he never met Sir Alec Guinness, who played the iconic Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars films, and wow, many other roles the guy did. I think he was actually annoyed that Star Wars was the only thing that he was recognized for, but there are bigger, pro- uh, worse problems to have than that. But Alec Guinness originated the role in 77. He was helped in preparation, Ewan McGregor was, by thinking about how Guinness would have played Kenobi as a younger man. Quote, I never got to meet Guinness, he said, but I love him through his work. McGregor noted, saying that he watched a lot of Guinness's old films to prepare. I'm sure Bridge Over the River Kwai was probably one of them. The Obi-Wan Kenobi show was announced in 2019 as planned as a single-season, six-episode show, McGregor told Entertainment Tonight in an earlier interview. The series takes place eight years after Revenge of the Sith and 11 years before Star Wars A New Hope, the original film, in an era after the Jedi Order had all been wiped out. The show was delayed, obviously, and like all others, by the coronavirus outbreak, but a release date seems likely in late 2021 or early 22, since their filming starts in March of 2021. So we still got a little while to wait on that, but I think that wait will be worth it. Mm-hmm. Because I hear they're, they're using a lot of techniques and things, and that you're going to see things. This is going to be such a spectacularly made show by Lucasfilm and Disney that they say it's going to be on the epic scale of Game of Thrones. So I'm like, oh, that's going to be big. That sounds really wow. huge. And, and where's he going to go? What's he going to experience? What are we going to see? Because I'm thinking he's obviously going to leave Tatooine and go places maybe and do things or, I don't know, in secret because, you know, he can't be found out. And maybe he has to do certain things or certain set a lot of things in motion, and a lot of dangers are trying to come to Tatooine you know, to either be kill really or cool get rid of Luke. If I was gonna be like in the room, like in that like the the, the boardroom, putting it together, we're putting all the, the stickers table, on the wall. The table. You've got yeah. your big pads of paper. Yeah. I'd be like, there needs to be multiple times that the Empire was going to kill, or that there were people who were aware of the twins, and he stopped him so that way right that's what i'm saying aunts and uncle are, are, are people going to never send knew assassins to try to take out luke or even leia on alderaan but again how, i don't know that the empire necessarily would because i don't empire, think but... vader knew about them obviously so i don't know that they would know he acted like he didn't know they existed but i don't know they but you could write a storyline where there was somebody who was bucking for promotion and saying i'm gonna go i'm gonna I, I I know what's out. happened, yeah. but before I bring it to Vader, I'm going to go get them, right. and I'll be the hero. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the uh, the, the the moth character in uh, the Mandalorian with the with the weird black lightsaber uh, guy, the one in his Tie Fighter. Let's see where they go with him too. We're going to find out. And I'm going to watch it's the them. ultraviolet light. I'm going to yeah, it sucks light away. <laughs> it's a void. So uh, I, it's interesting. I'm going to watch the Mandalorian leading up. It's a good idea to do that. So yeah, because the first episode's coming up in a couple weeks. It's BK on there. We got more movie news and more news when we come back.
just last night, I was lost in the jungle with Pitfall Harry, surrounded by giant scorpions and man-eating crocodiles. Well, Harry and I just grabbed the van, swung through the trees, and over the tar pits and found the jungle treasure. It was really neat. If you haven't met Pitfall Harry, you're missing the year's most incredible video game adventure. Pitfall for the Atari 2600 and in television. Since I met Pitfall Harry... No other man will do. Pitfall, designed by David Crane for Activision. It's okay if you don't understand what he's talking about. He probably doesn't either. It's BK on the Air on AM 1450, FM 100.3, and online using the TuneIn Radio app. That's right, we're back. It's BK on the Air. Did I ever tell you, <laughs> did I ever tell you that uh, back when I was in high school, uh, I actually got really, really close to getting into, uh, being granted admission to get into Funky Town once. Really? But, uh, I apparently wasn't funky enough, and they didn't let me in, <laughs> by the way. See, the difference I can understand that. You had a really funk, would. but yeah. that's different. That was a different kind, but they, I didn't have the kind of funk they needed, so I was denied access to enter Funky Town. Uh, the number is 770-386-1450 if you want to give us a call and talk about maybe anything we might happen to be talking about today. We did lose a lot of music folks in the past couple of weeks, and it was amazing. It all started with Helen Reddy, an iconic Australian singer, I Am Woman, Angie, all these hits that she had. My mom had her greatest hits, and believe me, when we take road trips in the car, mom would expectedly pop in that Helen Reddy 8-track. And as a kid, even as a kid, you could play too, something too much for me. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, if I hear I Am Woman one more time, I'm taking a hostage. <laughs> I don't know. I'm jumping out. I'm just going to jump out of this old Oldsmobile going down the road at 60 miles an hour. I'm just going to jump out. And hopefully I roll out on something soft and I can get away from this. But she was iconic, man. She, uh, Helen Reddy had so many hits. She had a superstardom. Then we turn around, uh, what, it's just days later, the next day or whatever, Mac Davis passed away. Huge star in the 70s. He had a, he had a few hits of his own but he was more of a songwriter for people uh, eddie van halen passed away uh two days ago uh, two yeah. days ago and it was heartbreaking to see valerie bertinelli's uh tweets on on there because i knew she was going to do something and i understand you know because they were married i don't know how long they were married but i think they're probably married kind of young and they didn't maybe know what maybe they were doing three. wasn't it wednesday this past week i don't know i just know it was well, pretty, this pretty past who knows when they really pass away sometimes they wait a few days before they say anything i know that it was his son wolfgang that that announced it by the way johnny nash passed away singer of uh, i can see clearly now a uh, big hit in the 70s he passed away and that was kind of lost in the other reported uh, deaths of, of music folks and a country music writer named ray pennington died i think it was yesterday or day before yesterday huge another huge you may not know his name he's not a he's not a household name but my dad was familiar with him and uh, he wrote tons of, of country hits in the 50s and the 60s for country artists he died in a fire he was 86 years old and he died in a fire at his home mm. so yet another music death in the world of music 770-386-1450 is our number somebody's giving us a call right now hello it's bk on the air who's this yeah, hello. Hello. Uh-oh. Who is this? Eric. Who is this? You provoke. It's Eric. Oh, I didn't recognize you, Eric. Hey, how you doing, buddy? How did I, how did I provoke you? What happened? Yes, yes. You played Funky Town. <laughs> I did. Have you ever been there? Cannot stay in that song. <laughs> but have you ever been to Funky Town, though? Have you ever gone to Funky Town? I don't want to go. You don't want to go. <laughs> they wouldn't let me in. You don't like Funky Town? That's such a fun early 80s pop song. How could you not like that song? It's great. I was a child of the 80s. Right. I was a teenager of the 80s, I so I really loved it. I didn't like it when I heard it. Well, I, like it. I guess I need to call you now on what bumper music I play and check with you first now, right? That would be nice. <laughs> Well, for, the record, for the record, okay. I love Funky Town. See, Alan and I are both Funky Town fans. 
It's a fun song. We're, we're FFs. We're Funky Town fans. <laughs> Well, good. Is that what you called to tell me that you just didn't like Funky Town? Or you got something else on your no, mind? No, that was the second thing you provoked me on. Uh oh. Well, see, provoking you is what part of my job description, buddy. You know that. Now, yeah. Now, you said that you don't like gummy bears. No, I hate gummy, licorice, all that stuff. I can't stand that stuff. No. Get out. <laughs> Why are we still friends? I don't. Hey, you know what? There's another reason I provoked you too, and you don't even know about it. You know what? You want me to tell you? What have you done? Have you listened to the latest podcast of uh, BK on the Air on uh, Anchor or SoundCloud or where it's available? Have you listened to it? Uh, yes, I did. What? Oh, you did? You, did you listen to the whole thing toward the end, the one that Alan and Walt hosted last week? Have you heard that one? Not the, not the ending. Why? What do you know? No, I'll just leave you with this. Listen to the whole thing all the way to the end, and you'll probably be calling me back next Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. I'm just saying, so there you go. Okay? Where did you know? Oh, you'll see. It's a surprise. It's it's all for you. It's a total surprise. It's an early birthday you know, Eric, I don't like you. It's on demand. You can go listen in this next break. You can just go yeah. right to the end and listen to the last you five can, minutes. You, yeah, you can listen, and I guarantee you all might right. call back in before the top of the next hour. So, uh, yeah, go, go, uh-huh. go give it a listen. All right. All right. Uh, but see you, buddy. As he shuffles off to go listen to Anchor or whatever. Right now. He's, he's like, oh, he'll love it. I think it's great. So uh, I was going to record a and video. You, and you like it. You, you and Walt like it, too, when you guys hear it. So, yeah, by the way, that is a reminder. You can hear BK on the air. If you if you heard it Saturday, you didn't hear it at all. I've changed I changed things. I, I put bionic parts. It's kind of like Frankenstein. I change it around and make it a little more augmented, a little more funky, as in funky town. And when you hear it on the podcast, you'll hear some things that you never heard on the air on Saturday. So uh, you can hear it out there on Anchor. Get the Anchor Free Anchor app, SoundCloud, and on YouTube. There's a BK on the Air YouTube channel. Three ways that you can hear this show turn into a podcast, which is number, I think, 38 on the top hot 50 podcast magazine hey i'll take it if it's in take 30s it. i'll take it uh 38 and i didn't even know it i didn't i didn't don't even know if i pushed it that much so so that was kind of cool i'm gonna push it now for, for people to vote for it and go to podcastmagazine.com i think that's their website and check out how you can click the link and how you can yep. vote for your top three favorite podcasts hopefully your first top two will be bk on there and the wilder ride and whatever you want to put for whatever three, you want the third. yeah that's fine or you could just put both of us, and, and then one of us again, or however you want to do it. It doesn't matter. Just We'd vote hate for to us. have to send our, our new law firm. Did you hear we got a new law firm representing our show, the Guardians of Saturday Morning? No, who is it? Yeah, it's Young, Frank, and Stein. <laughs> I've never used them before. I used to I would use, use uh, You, Cheatham, and Howe. Yeah. We, we <laughs> do, three Stooges Dewey, use. Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Uh, well, the, that's, the, uh, that's the companion law firm. But, yeah, uh, young, have, Frank, so. and Stein. Yeah, um, okay, well, that's fine. I'll use them. That sounds fantastic. Three guys that really know how to put things together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm running out of time here. I'm gonna. I got to get to all these stories that I got to. Let me do this one right now. It's another movie story. This one makes us very happy. We talked a little bit about this earlier today on Alan's show. Sci-fi.com. Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange, is portaling into Tom Holland's Spider-Man sequel. Awesome, this is so awesome, funny. Awesome. And we got the news that Spider-Man Three by Marvel Studios is going to be filmed in Atlanta. Of course, Peter Parker has a new a new New York mentor. After the events of Far From Home, Spider-Man was caught in an entangled web involving his secret identity and the loss of his mentor. Tony, a.k.a. Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. Now it seems, in his next outing, he'll have a new helping hand and magical ones to boot. According to The Hollywood Reporter and several other locations, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange is joining the third Spider-Man standalone for the MCU, filling the mentor role left by the dearly departed savior. 
of in-game Iron Man. Oh, he's going to have another mentor that's an egomaniac. <laughs> that's great. Uh, they have a lot in common. Well, Tom Holland won't. At least it's consistent. Tom Holland won't have to reply on uh, rely on Happy Tony's uh, assistant anymore, or Nick Fury for that matter. The extra star power isn't the only reprising role coming into that film. Cumberbatch joins Electro actor Jamie Foxx as another recent casting announcement. Not as the Electro from The Amazing Spider-Man Two, but. Electro, nevertheless, who he says and guarantees us will not be blue, by the way. <laughs> the film doesn't yet have an official title, but uh, we're wondering if the word home is going to be incorporated as a trilogy, I guess. Maybe they'll get the word home in there. But filmmaker John Watts is back to finish out his trilogy for Spider-Man from Marvel. Both the third Spidey and the next Doctor Strange, Sam Raimi directed Doctor Strange. Next, by the way, I'm very excited about that. Multiverse of Madness is the Doctor Strange film. And the word multiverse may be a key word here going on with all these things they're set to shoot this month maybe there's some alternate dimension timeline funkiness another word funky going on could andrew garfield's spidey show up a la into the spider universe spider verse whatever's happening or even toby mcguire there's definitely portals cumberbatch holland and more will return as well as returning stars zendaya zendaya that plays mary jane jacob Batalon and marissa tomei as the hot Aunt May. Now, that's Tony Stark's word, but not mine, but I, I'll agree with him. The film is currently set to hit theaters on December 17th, 2021, although that's, of course, not set in stone as the recent schedule shuffles around every blockbuster that's moving around. S- speaking of crossovers, there's a, um, a very talented uh, movie poster, movie image de- uh, designer out there, and he goes by the name of Boss Logic. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he's on Instagram. All the, all the social media, he, he does a lot of artwork. He'll take and do alternate movie posters for movies and stuff like that. He did a poster. I don't know if this means anything, but he designed one with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man on one side of a building, and on the other side it had Tom Holland looking at him at the, on the other side. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? Because this guy is not just a, a any Tom, Dick, and Harry. He's a right. very talented guy. may just be designing it just to whet someone's appetite but he may be doing it because maybe he knows something i don't how know how cool so. would it be to have a, uh, a cameo from <laughs> toby mcguire in a yeah. multiverse version of spider-man where and, that storyline still exists and is intact and for those who doubt it i'm like just remember dr strange in the multiverse of madness is directed by ex-spider-man director sam raimi he's coming into the mcu now so take that under your put that in your pipe and smoke I owe it. myself. I was talking about <laughs> thinking about this the other day, talking with Kevin Pate about it. I owe myself a rewatch of the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man oh, trilogy. Oh yeah, me too. Fantastic. Those were really, really good. Even when it got a little silly in the third one, it was oh, still, still a love good the third trilogy. One. The third one is fantastic. It's it's entertaining. I didn't find any really a big problem with it. What's his face? It. The guy um, but, um, that plays Sandman. Oh my God. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking. About. It was in Tombstone. Tom, Tom Hayden's. Yeah. Tom Hayden Christensen. Yeah. He is. He's he great. was great he's as great. a a down on his luck just the world beating him down he was the sandman that's who he and was and then he yeah. became and they realized this is the i'll finally have my power i'm like i loved it they actually found out and turned everything on its on its on its upside down when we found out he's the one that shot his uncle or called oh, the death yeah. of his uncle in the first film so it all kind of ties in the effects and the way those directed and sam raimi's a fantastic director i've loved almost every you know, film he had he's to ever learn done. how to do that he had oh, no yeah. idea how to direct a big budget yeah, effects movie. and they they broke some new ground too with a lot of the swinging and the and the web slinging in that film with the motion cameras mm-hmm. capturing the actor swinging and stuff through the New York. Fantastic! I, it reminds me of doing it too. I think I'll go back and watch them as well because I loved the first three Spider Mans from Sam Raimi. It was a great and Tobey to, Maguire was a fantastic Spider Man. Sam Raimi loved the Spider Man comic, and you could tell by watching the film how much stuff he put in there in all three. Speak down there. We'll do some web slinging when we come back too. I got some more stories and how do NASA astronauts vote in space.
It's harvest time. Trees full of big, crunchy nuts. Time for a Mars bar. You get big, crunchy nuts in a Mars bar. Sun-drenched nuts gathered at the peak of ripeness. Toasted up golden brown. Mars bar. Big, crunchy nuts in creamy nougat. Caramel, rich milk chocolate. If you like the taste of big, crunchy nuts, you're going to love a Mars bar. Mmm. You get big, crunchy nuts in a Mars bar. Pursue the higher road to adventure. Come on, baby. Join Jake Cutter, a pilot with nerves of steel. Get it up! Thirst for danger. He's a reckless soldier of fortune. You fight him, Jack! And a persuasive charmer. Defying death with every fall. Mysteries deep in the South Pacific plunge Jake Cutter into a whirlpool of action and intrigue. Jack! A brand new series of daring and courage. The Gold Monkey, Wednesdays this fall. Hey, that's right. We're back. Welcome back to BK on the Air on WBHF. Let's do this on this day in history today. Today is October the 10th, 1961. On this day in history, variety TV show, The Bob Newhart Show, premieres on NBC in Isn't the Isn't he US. dead? No, he's still alive, I hear, by the way. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I think Eric went and listened to the uh, the end of the show, like I told you when he had him on the phone earlier. I think he went and listened to it, and I don't know if he's happy or laughing or not very happy with me huh. right now and we'll find I out happy. i'm sure we'll hear back 1966 also the year i was born but on october the 10th 1966 on this day the beach boys released their influential single good vibrations good, and i, th- I good. think that's from the pet sounds album one good of the vibrations. most one of the most expensive produced rock albums of its time because brian wilson would always go back in and and rent the studio to tweak it and tweak it and went back and tweaked it and tweaked it and there tweaked are so it many layers in that song if you go Don't listen you, to yeah it. there it's are amazing. sound effects and and echoes and stuff and he was an, another innovative producer and you know i don't know if anybody else that ever goes back and works on something in production and just continuously tweaks it i don't know anybody else that ever does stuff like really that, so it's kind of crazy what george lucas what? oh well, I don't personally know anybody that does stuff like okay. that either. You know, just might he, do a commercial spot. At some and point, tweak you tweaker too much. <laughs> Did you invite? Do you invent a word? Did you say tinker and tweet? I said, you said, I said twinker. twinker too much. <laughs> tweet and tinker. That's perfect. I love that. 1978. Steve Perry on this day joins Journey in the year 1978. That's when he joined. I thought it was before that, but I guess it. Uh, I guess it was 1978. 1978, the U.S. Congress approves the dollar coin honoring Susan B. Anthony on this day. I remember day. that. And I was a kid, and I remember it, too. And I'm thinking, you know, as a kid, the only thing I'm thinking is, this ain't going to fit into a vending machine. <laughs> you know, that was the problem. They designed it a little too small kept like, getting mistaken but for quarters. But didn't it have weird quarters It had like a hex on, it? Yeah. on the inside. It was still it was round on the outside, but on the inside, I like it. It was really weird. I don't think it was that successful but it's still good that they did that and i don't i haven't seen one in years i don't know where they keep them is there a susan b anthony dollar vault somewhere because i well, never right see now, them anymore. no coins anymore so i never see them anymore in 2004 october 10th on this day we lost christopher reeve superman himself oh. died on this day and in 2017 october 10th thor ragnarok opened on this day oh good in 2017 we'll end on a good one there birthdays today <laughs> we, i told you we're talking about ed wood ed wood's birthday is today <laughs> The worst director in history. And my favorite, by the way, uh, Johnny Depp and 
Tim Burton film is Ed Wood, by the way. It's my favorite one. And today is, and I'm sure this is a little bittersweet birthday for him today, singer, Van Halen singer David Lee Roth's birthday is today. Kind of not a good time to have a birthday for him right now because we did lose Eddie Van Halen. Billboard charts number one on this day in 1978. We'll stick with 78 since the Steve Perry and the Congress thing uh, happened on this day. The Susan B. Anthony Dollar Kiss You All Over by Exile. You remember that song, don't you? I'm sure we play it here on WBHF. I want to kiss you all over and over again. Don't make me go play it. No. I know if I'll, I play it, that was a bad version of me doing it. But if you heard it, I bet you might remember that song. I'm going to say sure. So uh, it was the number one hit on this day in 1978. Well, and good for them. Today, there's, there's, a, there's a really good one here today. Today is a day that you and I should celebrate because we really need it more than anybody else. Today is World Mental Health Day. <laughs> tailor-made for us i'm telling you and it's also believe it or not national motorcycle ride day today which is the second saturday in october and buddy let me tell you this i miss having a motorcycle so bad i used to have a motorcycle on and off from when i was six years old all the way up till till i was about 25 years old i had one of Mm. some kind to ride started out my dad when i was when i was six years old my dad bought a mini bike it was that kind where you started the engine like a lawnmower you had to pull it like this you know up with the string and i rode that thing i ran into so many things with that thing. <laughs> got scuffed and messed up with that thing yeah. but i loved every minute of it it was so fun then i graduated to a honda 50 a honda 50 cc little 50 bike 50 cc's bike it was when i said graduated to it it was, it, it was about two inches longer it was yeah, it was two inches longer <laughs> Like you can hear but it no, from like two miles away. What was funny is it was a real motorcycle. It had gears that I had to change and stuff. Had to learn how to. And f- it wasn't your- just the turn it on and, and go and go like an accelerator. Then later on, I was able to get a, a Kawasaki KZ four. 400, I think it was, in the 80s, which I loved. I used to ride that thing to school. When I first got that bike, <laughs> it had no front brakes. Uh oh. And I'd only ride it in the neighborhood. We lived out in the middle of the country, in the middle of a, of, a, of a cotton field. We had a house actually built out in the country near a cotton field. And I could ride it around on dirt roads, but it had no front brakes. My, my stepfather found it used. He goes, Here, here's a bike, no front brakes. Isn't that kind of unsafe? Who cares? It's the 70s. Go ride Who it. uses the front brakes? Who brake? uses the front brakes? Well, apparently everybody, because if you don't front brake and rear brake, and if you're a bike rider, you know exactly what I mean. When you brake, you have to use both brakes in unison to stop. Because if you just use back brakes only to stop, all you're going to do is slide. That, that back tire is going to lock up, and you're just going to slide, and the back end's going to go around and around, and your back end will actually go around and chase you <laughs> on the other side, and you'll turn around in the opposite direction. Ask me why I know that, <laughs> because it happened to be on a gravel road, and it wasn't fun, so I didn't keep that one long. After that, I had a Honda, I had a Honda Shadow. Which was a 750 cc. They all got bigger. That was a along. legit street bike. I had a Honda Shadow. That was the street bike I, I rode for a long time. And then after that, I got a Yamaha Viraga, uh, which was a which was a 1000, I think, cc. And I rode that one for a long time too. All of them been used. I never got a new one, but that, I haven't had one since then. And uh, bikes are you know they're kind of expensive. You can't a lot of them. You can't ride well. You can ride them if it rains and in bad weather. But I'm not a bad weather bike rider. Right. It has to be fair weather for me to ride a bike because I don't you know, like riding in the rain and the snow and stuff. I don't like that. I so. don't think I could anymore around here. I had a motorcycle when I was a teenager and I loved, oh, you did? I okay. loved it. You remember what it was? But, uh, it was a Honda C360 or okay, something. Okay, so it was something like near a 400. Okay, it was a, a good size for a kid. I mean, it was a street bike, but it had problems. Anyway, yeah. 
I would love if I lived maybe out in Oklahoma or oh, Wyoming yeah. where you would just, you know, you could just tool around and not worry right. about traffic. But around here, no, I value even, my life now. I never got on the interstate with my bike because that's not fun bike riding. I always went into North Georgia or any kind of country right. roads I could ride because that's the best. Rural, rural rides. Right. Uh, this month in October, let's add this since we don't have a lot of things in this day in history. The name of the month originated when the Roman lunar calendar was used and the year started in March at harvest time. Then October, October. Was considered the eighth month of the year way back in the day. So I did not know that. All that changed in 46 BC when the new Julian calendar was used, making January the first month and October the tenth month in the calendar. October is also Adopt a Shelter Dog Month, which is a fantastic thing to do, by the way. Don't go to the pet stores. Adopt one from the. I am uh, am this year's old when I didn't realize the oct for eight would have made it the eighth month, like octagon. Octopus. Octopus. Yeah. Never even just realized that yeah. it was the eighth month before they moved it to the 10th. Well, I was this year, this old yesterday when I found out. When I actually printed the thing out, I'm like, oh, that makes sense, though. It does. That and I'm like, how did one. I miss? And and also, this is just for Alan Shakespeare. <laughs> October is also Caffeine Addiction Recovery Month. <laughs> so there you go. It's well, this I'm, month I'm, for you to probably I don't need that to recover. Habit. Yeah, well, you're still in the midst of being... I'm still in the abuse phase. <laughs> You're not ready to kick it yet, right? Right. I, I have not <laughs> you admitted got a long I have way a problem. to go. Until you have that one checkup about five years from now, your doctor's going to go, you know what? You went all this time not ever being sick. Guess what you got? You got this, 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 <laughs> this, 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 and caffeine addiction. <laughs> You're like, okay, well, treat everything else. Leave the caffeine addiction there. That's okay. So I'm not touching that. <laughs> I'm going to really feel real bad. Here's two things that's going to make me feel bad. My wife is usually in great health shape, too, by the way. And here's, try to figure this out. Put some sense to this. There's a long time where I eat poorly. I eat fried foods and stuff. And I still don't eat the best, but but I still am better than I used to be. With all that I eat, you'd think that my cholesterol level would be terrible. It's not. My cholesterol is either low or normal, even eating what I used to eat and what I Mm -hmm. eat now. Mrs. BK eats so much more sensible to me. And her cholesterol is through the roof. Well, she had it's, to live with you, so part of that. <laughs> it wasn't until she said, I do. Yeah, <laughs> Part of it is just hypertension. Do making. you promise to love, honor, and cherish and take a higher cholesterol rating after you get married to him? <laughs> and, and accept all the health problems? I, I guess I do. I don't know. But she, she, she has a high cholesterol. And it's not her fault. It's just people's bodies. Part of it is genetics. Absolutely. So uh, we got all that. I'm glad I got to squeeze that in. But I do have another story. Ever wondered how NASA astronauts, when they're in space, how do they vote in elections like the upcoming presidential election? We're going to talk about that. And on Election Eve, oh, I got another one here. An asteroid is headed our way on Election Eve. <laughs> what do you think could happen? I don't know. Some people are wishing. Some people are, are not. So we'll have that story, too. So two kind of election stories, which aren't at all political because, you know, I don't do that. But it's interesting stories that fit right the template of this show. It's BK on there. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. Operations. It's the ultimate bubble. Operations. It's the ultimate bubble. Soft and juicy. It's the ultimate bubble. So delicious. It's the ultimate bubble. It's the ultimate bubble. Okay, good day. I'm Bob McKenzie. This is my brother, Doug. This is our album, and welcome to it. The Great White North Album. Album. Getty Lee is here from Rush. Uh, Thanks for coming down to do our hit. Bob and Doug McKenzie, the stars of SCTV on their new Mercury album, The Great White North. Now only 647 LP and cassette. 
You mean you have an Atari video game system, but not Atari Missile Command? Well, then you must have Defender. Great game. Or a challenge like Star Raiders. What about Yar's Revenge? Well, you gotta have Berserk, right? And Atari Space Invaders, a classic. You don't? Come on. An Atari system without those games? That's like having a stereo with no hit records. Now, back to a guy who'll make you feel really young, mostly because he's so old. It's BK on the Air. Well, we had a story earlier about new toilets being delivered in space for astronauts to use, I guess. But I've got a, a, a story here from Fox News, by the way. Have you ever vote? Have you ever wondered how astronauts vote in space? I don't know if you ever asked the question, but I was kind of interested in it as well. With the U.S. election, presidential election, just weeks away, NASA has explained how astronauts vote in space. The space agency has a motto of "Vote while you float" for astronauts. That's kind of funny. Life, like other forms of absentee voting, voting from space starts with a federal postcard application, or a FPCA, <laughs> NASA says on its website. It's the same form of military members of their fam- that their families fill out while serving outside of the U.S. Boy, I'm saying outer space is definitely outside of the U.S. By completing it ahead of their launch, space station crew members signal their intent to participate in an election in space. That's coming from uh, NASA themselves. They also note that because astronauts move from Houston... For their training, or move to Houston for their training, most opt to vote as Texas residents. Quote, of course, NASA's astronauts come from all over, so those wishing to vote as residents of their home states can work with their counties to make special arrangements to vote from space, it adds. Once the FCPA is approved, the county clerk who manages elections in the astronauts' home county sends a test ballot to a team at NASA's Johnson Space Center, according to NASA. A space station test computer is then used to test whether it can be filled out and sent back to the county clerk. Quote, after a successful test, a secure electronic ballot generated by the clerk's office of Harris County and surrounding counties in Texas is uplinked by Johnson's Mission Control Center to the voting crew member, unquote, NASA says. An email with a crew member's specific credentials is sent from the county clerk to the astronauts, and these credentials allow the crew member to access the secure ballot. That's kind of cool. There's one thing you don't want to hear when it comes to that, though. When you're when you're voting as an astro- astronaut, <laughs> you don't want to hear Mission Control say, Houston, we have a problem, <laughs> especially when it comes to your vote. Uh, in 2016, NASA astronaut Shane Kimbrough, who at the time was the only American off the planet, voted in the presidential election from the International Space Station. NASA explains that the system was first employed in 1997 for former astronaut David Wolf when he was flying a long-duration mission on the old Russian space station Mir because Wolf's mission spanned election day the process was set up to enable him to vote in space so that's kind of cool to know how the astronauts vote in space i kind of i figured it was some kind of absentee thing but i didn't know that so it's kind of cool to know how they do okay, that okay here's a crazy serendipitous oh you're gonna come up with some kind of crazy scenario what are you guess who's about? gonna be a guest on our podcast in a couple of weeks on the Shane wilder ride Kimbrough. Really? You got Shane Kimbrough coming on. Astronaut Shane Kimbrough is going to tell us all about what it's like to float around on the International Space Station, being an astronaut, training. And now I can ask him, did you fill out your FCPA voting card? You would ask him, he was one of the guests, the first ones to do it or back in the day or whatever. That's crazy. It's kind of cool. And I didn't even know that when I pulled the story. I didn't know you were going to do that. That's kind of funny. And I didn't even know anything about it until you said Shane Kimbrough. I'm like, wait a minute. Something else about Election Day you might ought to be on the lookout for, or maybe not. Maybe you want to go to that 
bury your head in the sand, live under a rock, <laughs> the place we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. to, to rent the room. From Newser, an asteroid is coming our way on Election Eve. Talk about a way. rock. Yeah. The headlines I don't are, want to be under that one. The headline, <laughs> no. Uh, you can see it, but not be under it. Asteroid. It's, 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 it's a headline. It's an irresistible headline. Asteroid headed for Earth the day before Election Day from Fox 13. And NASA. Asteroid headed toward Earth before November election. All those headlines are technically true. An asteroid named, and I love these names because they're so uninteresting. They ought to give them, like, really cool names. This one's called Asteroid 2018VP1. They should give them names like Asteroid Bruce the Shark or Asteroid <laughs> Asteroid Death Star. <laughs> Something cool, you know, that'd be great. Maybe not Death Star. Oh, no, not Brunhilde. That's right, Asteroid. Mega Maid from Spaceballs. It's indeed headed our way, and it will be closest on November the 2nd. But the less sexy part about this is that NASA says it will pose no threat to Earth. <laughs> that's, the less, that's, that's the less? That's the, that's, that's the less sexy thing. If, it, if this was so, if it was sexy, it'd be hitting us. It's that, that not going to hit. Right. For one thing, the Asteroid is tiny as these things go, not quite seven feet long, and NASA figures it has just an 0.41 chance of entering Earth's atmosphere on Election Eve. That's worse than winning the lottery, isn't it? Like on a scratch-off ticket. I don't know. Maybe it's not. (laughs) Quote, considering the stakes and the year we're all having, maybe one in 240 chance still feels a little high for comfort. Yeah, it is 2020, so look out. Uh, Something worse could happen, but uh, they say we get it, but there's still no need to worry. The asteroid is so small that if it does enter our atmosphere, it will burn up before hitting the ground. And I I remember learning that in school. What's the difference between a meteor and a meteorite? A meteor is a big chunk of whatever in space that just flies through space. A meteorite is one that enters our atmosphere and burns up. That's mm-hmm. cool. I didn't know that, but I learned it when I well, was a kid. Or burns up enough that when it hits, you right. can go find it. Or it just hits the trunk of a car and it gets put on display at the, at the Tele-science uh, Museum. Museum. So, yeah. This particular, and it's weird to see just how much damage a tiny piece of rock can do like that at the speed that it's traveling. Mm-hmm. If it hits you, you're probably gone. You're going to get killed or yeah. severely hurt, by the way, if it's just small. This particular space rock comes our way every two years, so it's a regular. And NASA estimates it will fly between 4,800 to 260,000 miles of Earth per business insider. Now, in, in terms standing on the ground, that's a long way off. But in space terms, that kind of miles is pretty close when you're talking about space. The International Space Station is 254 miles above us, by the way, for, for reference. The bigger asteroid worry might be that those, those we don't know about. For instance, NASA said last uh, earlier this month or this year that one the size of an SUV, an asteroid the size of an SUV, came within 1,830 miles of Earth. That's pretty close in space terms. Yeah, it is. The closest such flyby on record. Scientists didn't know... The newly named 2020 QG existed until it was gone. That one, <laughs> that one that Whoops. doomed the dinosaurs, was particularly lethal because of its flight angle. Yeah, I think the one that, <laughs> I think the one that hit when the dinosaurs was here was coming in at such an angle that it did the most damage that it could. I mean, I don't know what's worse, coming in at a like an oh. angle like this or just straight down. Oh, no. I don't know. A perpendicular hit, all that energy. Yeah, no, straight That's down. A- <laughs> That's not good. Especially if it hits like the ocean, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. You know what's so bad about that? You could have been on the other side of the world and you were going to get the effects from it. Yeah, from from the dinosaur one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were probably going to get wiped out no matter where you were at one point. The shock wave. Can you imagine... Something just the shock wave being felt around the world, and and having time to know that it's on its way, and you make Watch whatever preparations coming. that you can yeah, do, like that, like, like that scene okay. in uh, Rogue One when they're yeah. hitting the, the Death Star is deciding to nuke the base, where they're just looking and they're like, well, they know they're going to die, but we've got about a minute to just kind of sink, let it sink that in. The wave keeps growing because we can't go anywhere, right? We can't do anything about it, <laughs> so. 
I don't want to ever find out. No. <laughs> I never want to find that out. I need to go rewatch Rogue One now. I love I love both those scenes when they use the Death Star in a limited fashion yeah. to just take out a city. Or they're just testing it, yeah. And they end up taking out like basically a continent. I uh, rewatched I rewatched both of them not too long ago. I I hadn't seen them in a while, so I went and watched Rogue One. I watched uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, and I just really thought let's let's just watch both of them because they're two kind of standalone films. And uh, yeah, they did a, they did such good. And I'm a big fan of both of them. But the the part that really gets me in um, in, in Solo is that when they get sh- caught in the Maelstrom's thing in the uh, doing the Kessel Run, uh, where they're where they're in that mm-hmm. they're in that storm area, and then the uh, then the Star Destroyer actually comes in there after them, sending the Tie Fighters. It's a fantastic action sequence, and the music that John talk about another Star Wars composer, John Powell, does the music for for Solo. Is he he's he's got his own music to that action sequence, but he also sneaks in music from the asteroid field from Empire Strikes Back, so it kind of harkens back to that. And I thought it was great. So. Taking on, you take a gamble. It was going to be a gamble when we heard about these movies being made. It was going to be a gamble to do a Star Wars story outside of the regular Star Wars trilogy. But we're thinking it wasn't much of a gamble because you've already got a built-in audience, you know, which is fantastic. Well, uh, critically speaking, it was great. It was great for one of them, (laughs) bad for the other. And and there was, and for me, there was no reason for Solo to fail because I went into the movie thinking, oh boy, people are already hating this movie. They're downing it. It's going to be terrible. And I went and watched it, and I loved it. I'm like, you guys are wrong. Ron Howard's put together a great film here. I really, I really enjoyed the heck out of it. This is where you and I did not see eye to eye. Oh, I, I I did enjoy it. I look at that movie and like. Because Woody Harrelson couldn't even save that. Movie. I was wa- I was watching uh, the the big problem I had with with uh, with Rogue One was was the characters. You, your main characters, I guess your two main characters in Rogue One would be the girl mm-hmm. and uh, Cassie and Andor, the uh, the other guy. Which was the, with he's going to get his own series, right? And they <laughs> and they were probably to me the most one dimensional, total uninteresting characters. I, I think see I'd why ever they're seen. not likable because because. It didn't really matter because we knew it was a suicide mission and they were going to die. So, and they're all misfits. You know how many people didn't know that though? Which yeah. like, how did you how not did you? tell that? Yeah, I guess we've seen more movies. <laughs> yeah, well, and we could tell because number one, for some reason, you never heard about them. So you're thinking maybe they maybe they died <laughs> at the end of it. They went on a mission and it was it. But they delivered what they wanted to do. The plans they got it to where they were because that's the end scene that leads into Star Wars. You know Wars. that whole ending they kind of just tacked on after looking at it. They realized they needed something to bridge. Yeah, and that's another thing that I didn't hate it, but having that scene of Vader and everything at the end of that movie, I, I always always enjoyed the introduction of Vader being the beginning of Star Wars. That's where you first see him walk onto the Tanta mm-hmm. before the, the the blockade runner. Now you kind of see him in that, and now and you see him again. Then it's not the debut of him anymore, but it still was. The movie still came first. Yeah, but although it kind it, of everybody thinks it's a cool scene, but I thought eh, it could have worked without it. I think. But it if you're gonna have that. a prequel, Rogue One to me is the only prequel worth watching versus the other three. Well, yes, I'll agree with that. Like <laughs> you can you mean episode you can one, two, and three. Yes, his entrance into Star Wars yes. now is motivated by having lost the plans, right? Like just off the tips of his fingers, right. like just like oh, you got oh, away! Yeah. I am Almost so angry. It. I am going to tear this <laughs> ship right. apart. And he and he he did. He was pretty violent. <laughs> That's probably the most violent we've ever seen. Vader. That was awesome. In that scene, the way he was attacking the oh, uh, he the was rebels. mowing them down. <laughs> using, he was using the force. You could see how really uh, cool oh. he is. And I also I, I know I get why people want to do it. Someone had had taken 
the fight with Vader and Kenobi in Star Wars and jazzed it up with CGI and made it a lot more action-packed. You saw that, yeah. too. And whereas it was cool, I thought, eh, I wouldn't put it in the movie and replace what was there because it's it's out of place now. That move, The whole movie didn't look like that except that one scene. So, But it is cool that they did it. And you figure maybe that happened and we didn't see it. <laughs> they fought a little bit more. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here last week. I appreciate it, both you and Love Walt. Love it. And that's BK on the Air. Uh, catch me on SoundCloud and Anchor, the podcast, and on YouTube, BK on the Air. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over.